If you, uh, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. The back part of that uh, will be in the last part of Ephesians 5, beginning of chapter 6 as well. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, most of the verses will be on the screen today. But we have been uh, right in the middle of this series uh, called Blended, where we are really talking about how faith invades every part of our life. That as we surrender our lives to Christ, as we begin to walk and pathways to him. It's not a, a label we wear, a segment or a time of our week. It actually invades in every part of how we love God uh, and how we love other people. And uh, we've been journeying through this together that these aren't just spiritual truths that have no impact on us, that we can say, oh, I know that verse. I have this knowledge uh, because this moves us to knowledge into practice. And I think for far too often the Christian faith has been defined by how much we know or what studies we've done or what books we have read. All those things are great. And I encourage you, read books, do studies, learn things. But Jesus taught us to follow him didn't mean just a life of education. It also meant a life of demonstration. That we actually do something with the grace and the peace and the hope that God has made available to us. And this verse that we've been kind of using as the core of this passage out of Mark chapter 12 that says, when he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? I love what Jesus does here. Jesus doesn't say, you know what? Uh, the, the thing that I want to elevate, the command I want to elevate is the command of knowledge. Go and learn more. Elevate your knowledge. What does he do here? Instead, he elevates the command to demonstrate love. To actually live it out. Look at what it says in Mark 12, 28 through 31. It says, One of the scribes came up and heard him disputing with one another, and seeing that he, Jesus, had answered them well, asked him, Which command is the most important of all? And Jesus said, The most important is hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these, these five key things. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love those that are near to you. Love those that are close to you. This is the defining part of what it means to be blended, to actually live out this faith. I know sitting in this room, there are people coming from all different faith backgrounds, and for some of you, like, just coming to church is like a huge step of faith. Like, I'm just still investigating. And this is what I love as our congregation and as a people here at New City. This is a completely safe place to come investigate, to come learn, to come and to be challenged and maybe thinking in some different ways that you've never thought before. But some of you in here have been followers of Christ maybe a long time, all you, the majority of your life. And as you look back on it, you can say, well, I've had some amazing times, some good times, some bad times, all these kind of moments times when I've seen God really work in my life and times when I've asked God, where are you? And I love that God deals with this, that Jesus deals with this. And here he's like, this is part of what it means to follow me, is that you're going to have these moments where everything seems to work, when just you're loving God with all that there is, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbors yourself. And then you're going to have days when you read this verse and you're like, how in the world can I do that? It just can't happen. Like, it's not going to happen today. I'm not loving my neighbor today. They were too loud last night. There were too much going on, all kinds of different things. 
So we have this stuff in our mind that this helps us live this out. And this is why we've been in this series, been teaching a, a couple of ways. I'll teach for about 15 minutes and then we do an interview for about 15 minutes where we see how these truths are actually playing out in our lives. And so we, we've talked about soul, how we love the Lord with our soul. Our souls are connected to him as created in his image. We talked about loving him with all of our might and uh, how it causes us to vehemently pursue him. And then last week we talked about knowledge in our mind and that there, it's not a competition between science and theology. It's actually these two things that are complementary together. And as we see things through faith, it takes our questions and doubts and, and confusion and, and brings understanding and, and truth and comprehension. And today we're going to jump over to the second command that he lists here, the, the second half of this, uh, which is loving your neighbor as yourself. I've told you different stories as we've done this series of times I've tried to blend things. I talked about Katie's smoothies and how she takes these horrible ingredients and makes something tasty out of it and different ways that we have experienced that. And as we talked about relationships today, I don't know about you, but for me, there are certain people that my life just seems to blend with better than others. There are some that people that I just love hanging out with, and there are some people I'm like, why are you wearing sandpaper all the time? Because it just seems to rub me the wrong way, and I'm sure I don't do that to anybody. I'm sure that's not the case uh, with anybody, but the truth is, like, I, I was thinking about this. There was a guy a couple weeks ago uh, named James, happened to be in town. He called me and says, hey, I'm here on Thursday night. You want to get together? And I had not seen James in probably six or seven years, and a uh, good friend, uh, when we were used to live in the same town. And so, we, man, we were together. And it was just one of those times, I mean, we sat down at the table and we just picked up where we left off. I mean, it was just like we were back together. I mean, our lives just blended together. We were there and we have this connectivity and it's just like, boom, right back there. We've had other people come visit us in the city. And like, we sit down at the table and you can, we're all over here like, how long is this meal going to last? Like, how, how long till we're done? And uh, like our lives just blend relationally better with some people. When I started dating people, uh, Katie is the only person I ever dated over uh, two months. And here's what would happen. I would typically start dating somebody. And after about two months, we would just start having the same conversation over and over again. Like, hey, how are you? Yeah, I was your dad. I mean, it was like so boring and monotonous. And I would be like, finally, I'd just be like, I don't want to call you anymore. I don't want to talk anymore. I guess you just not text anymore now, however you do that. And so uh, finally, Katie was like the one person that I, after two months, like, we were still going strong. I mean, after 26 years, we're still having new conversations. Our lives just blend together. That's the way relationships work. And what I want us to see today when, when this command of loving your neighbor as yourself like, he's talking about some of the people that are closest to you. And I thought it would be good today to take this command and look at it from these, a biblical model of how do we love those that are truly closest to us, which I think is our family. For many of us, our family are those that we have the strongest connection with. And if we can learn to love our neighbor, to love our family as we love ourselves, it will help us to love other people. And so what I want us to do today is to talk about how this plays out, how this actually goes in our life. Because if we try to love our family, here's a couple things I want you to know, and you know this about your family. These are those people who know you the best and know you the most. Know you good and bad, right? They understand all parts, the, the beautiful parts and the ugly parts. And these are people that you know the best as well. Like you can... You, you know the best about them, 
And the worst about them, I remember growing up, my mom and dad are here this morning, and you're going to get to hear more from them later on, but we would occasionally have arguments in our home. I mean, every once in a while, I would do something that would cause an argument to happen, and we'd be, I, I'd say we weren't yelling back and forth. I was usually listening while mom was yelling, and here's what would happen. I'm sure this never happened. The phone would ring when we used to have home phones, and this voice of like a demon screaming at me, she would pick up the phone and be like, hello, just like, I mean, just could change at her tune all of a sudden, or we would have people coming over, and we were, you know, the house wasn't quite right, and like, she could get the house clean in, in 10 seconds, and then she would always tell us this, you know, I know we've been, like, maybe it's not been the best day, but you've got to put the dog on, is what she said, you got to look good when people come over, and you put that forward, and that's, look, we know the best and the worst about us, and family, and if we can learn to love our family well, then it's going to help us learn to love others well. And how do we mix faith and family? And so what I want to do, if you got Ephesians 5, we're going to jump around in there, and we're going to learn about four key ingredients that Paul talks about in families that ought to be present in how we love one another. And then we're going to interview uh, my family and to talk some about this. So let's look at these things right quick. Ephesians 5, 22 through 23 says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he himself as its Savior. Now, I know most of you women have that tattooed uh, somewhere on your body. It's just a great reminder, right? So, uh, uh, you know, that's a verse we often struggle with. And what I love about this verse is there's definitely truth in it that we can apply to our marriage. But it's Paul saying, look, this is an example of how love needs to play out. We've got to learn, both of us, to submit to one another. And the key ingredient here is learning to respect each other. How do we respect each other? And I love that he uses the example of a wife who willingly chooses to submit herself to her husband as a picture of what it means to show respect. As a picture of saying, you know, I don't have to do this, but I'm going to choose to do this. And I want you to see something this morning. Respect is something that is given. It's not something that's demanded. And if we have to demand respect, guess what? You're probably not going to really get respect. You may get somebody that will follow you and act like they respect you, but respect is something given. In our relationships, husbands and wives, parents and kids, friends, neighbors, respect is the beginning point of being able to love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't respect another person, it's going to be very difficult for you to learn to, to love them. How do we respect? Let me just give you a couple of things that I found over my life. One is like be attentive. Actually consider the needs and wants of others. Fully engage in the relationship. Connect with them. Like, respect actually means that I pay attention to you, not just expect you to pay attention to me. Be supportive. Believe the best about others. Be excited about what excites them. Be sincere. Let this come from a heart that's not out of an obligation, but out of sincerity. Don't act like you feel some way that you don't. Be honest. Be sincere. We have to start with respect. For us to be able to love other people, to love our neighbor, to love our family, respect has to be present. If you've ever been in a relationship, whether a marriage relationship or a parental relationship with kids or even a friendship, where people lose respect for one another, I think that is the quickest way to kill a relationship. As soon as respect is gone, then the relationship dies. Ephesians 5.25 gets us to the next one. It says this, Husbands, now love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is a huge command to husbands in this example of sacrifice. 
He here, Paul, is using the example of a husband's willingness to set aside and to lay down things for his wife as an example of a kind of love that's sacrificial, that's willing to give up. And I'm excited that he uses an example of a husband's love to show this. When Katie and I first got married, one of the biggest things everybody said was like, your life's going to change. Things are going to be different. You're going to have to learn to sacrifice. I was like, all right, I'm ready for this. And like, when I got there, when our first marriage, like, I think the biggest sacrifice I had to make in our first year of marriage was like actually getting my clothes into the hamper. Like, she was like, I really just want you to, could you do that? And like the next year, she was like, would you mind like turning your t-shirts right side in? You know, she was very patient with me. But now like, as we have grown in this relationship, as we have now 26 years in this marriage, I've learned, she's learned, we have learned the depths of sacrifice, of letting the other push forward when they need to and let one person subside and then letting the other elevate and the other subside of standing in the gap for one another, being there in the pain and being there in the hurt. Sacrifice is key. You can respect one another, but until you sacrifice for one another, you don't really begin to demonstrate love. And sacrifice is key. And how do we do this? We have to cherish one another. We have to see the value in the other person, not view them as a burden to love, but as a gift that we have in our lives. We have to cherish each other. We have to nourish one another, try to add value to each other. It's not just saying, what can this person do for me, but us together, and whether it's a friendship, a spouse, or his parents, we're adding value to one another. But then another big part of sacrifice is actually admonishing one another. It's like challenging one another when things aren't healthy, when decision, right decisions aren't being made, to be able to say, not out of bitterness and judgmental and, and anger, but to say, you know what? If we want it was best for this friendship, one of the ways I can love you is to help admonish and correct you. That's sacrifice. The third thing that he says here is this. If you flip over to Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, now he, he goes, he talked about a wife and a husband. Now he says, children, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise. And the third key ingredient is this of honor. And Paul uses this picture of children who will demonstrate their love to a parent just because they happen to be born into their family. Have you ever thought kind of how crazy that is? Like these two people just show up in your lives, like our two kids, just PJ and Natalie, they didn't get to choose. Like they, they're just part of our family, right? And like we're your parents, you have to do what we say. Why? Well, it's honor, right? It's somebody saying, I honor you because God created this model. And I, I remember one time PJ was in sixth grade. And uh, we've always had a, a, a really good relationship. But he, uh, he got into a fight in sixth grade and got suspended from school. And I had to come pick him up at school. I know. It was a, it was a rough day. And uh, I, if, I, if that never happened to me, I could say something more. But, uh, but I picked him up. And... Uh, You'll probably remember this day. Like, I come to the office, I get him, I don't say a word. I'm like, just, he follows me to the car. And uh, he could tell you later maybe what was going through his mind. But, like, I'm wanting, in my mind, I'm like, we're going to have a cool dad and son moment. Like, I'm not just going to get angry at him. Like, I'm going to use this as a parenting moment. So we drove out past his school to this, this park, this beautiful park area. Uh, the mountains, and I got him out of the car, and we start going walking through the woods. I knew where this little creek was in the back, and for all I know, he's like, Dad's taking me out here to kill me. <laughs> like, he just willingly followed me, and he's like, I'm probably not coming back from this, but uh, we go out, and we start talking. I can, like, see there with a leaf on his face, like, oh, okay, 
like, you're not going to kill me in the woods here. Just leave me here. Like, but he just, he honored me and he followed me even when maybe he didn't know why or what was going to happen. And that's what honor is, right? It's the willingness to trust somebody even sometimes when you don't agree with it. Even when you don't fully see the value in it, you can at least sift through it and find the truth in it and walk in that truth. I'm not saying we got to take something that everybody else says and take it as truth in our life, but sometimes we disregard what people say because we don't like the source. And sometimes we elevate what people say because we do like the source. And neither one of those are healthy. Honoring is saying, look, maybe God can speak to me through any relationship, through any person. So I sift through it and find the truth is we allow people, we place them in positions of honor in our life to speak into our lives. To do this, we have to be willing to listen. Many times, I think I have missed wisdom in my life because I've simply not been willing to listen. I've cut somebody out. I have said, that's not a voice I want to listen to anymore. And I cut it out. But it's not just to listen, but it's to, we have to have a willingness to learn. To acknowledge that somebody knows more than me and I can learn from them. To be teachable. We have to be willing to learn, and then I actually have to be willing to obey, to actually do what I find the truth to be, to change something in my life. That's honor. The fourth thing we're going to look at then here is not just how children relate to their parents, but he gives us here in Ephesians 6, 4, how parents, specifically fathers, should relate to their child. And it says, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And this is the idea of encouragement. The fourth element of a healthy love and a healthy relationship is encouragement. And this is a a parent's job. It's the example that the parents do continually encourage a a child no matter their response or their reaction. Some of us that have been parents a long time, there are times that our kids anger us. We get disappointed. We're, We're upset. It seems like there's a distance between us, but yet we can't stop encouraging. You can't stop parenting. That's why I love he uses this example. Encouraging is not just correcting behavior or punishing or praising behavior. It's actually creating a nourishing soil for people's lives to grow in. When you continually encourage somebody, you create this soil for life to grow in. And we do that as we understand people individually. Like, I can't encourage everybody the same way. I can't encourage PJ the same way that I encourage Natalie. They both receive encouragement Different ways. Cash helps with both of them, but <laughs> different ways that they receive encouragement. But praise them specifically. And I've learned this as a parent. Like, it's not just, hey, you did a good job. But you did a good job at this. What did they do a good job actually doing? Giving specific praise. And then continually to invest in them. Invest in them continually. When we think about this, you think about respect, sacrifice, honor, encouragement. These are the four ingredients that Paul says, look, you want to know how to love your neighbor as yourself? Elevate these things in your life. Respect people. Show them honor. Give them encouragement. Be willing to sacrifice. That's how it plays out in your life. And so I want to close today with our interview time. Uh, And I'm going to interview, uh, this is a little scary for me, I'm going to actually interview my family. Uh, My mom and dad are here this morning. Katie's down from the uh, children's area PJ and Natalie are coming down from behind the curtain uh, up there. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to interview them and ask them maybe how this has played out in our family, how this has impacted and how we've seen this happen. So you guys come on up and uh, take your spots. I've given them some questions ahead of time, but I did not coach them on their answers. And so uh, 
This is also now yeah, give my hand. This is also not open mic, so you guys don't get to ask them uh, the questions. So uh, let me introduce my mom and dad to you, Tommy and Pat Thompson. Mom and dad, me, mom, pops, however you want to uh, call them. Make sure all that's on. And then uh, if you have not met my wife, Katie, she often uh, is upstairs working with our kids. She handles all the child care. And uh, this is Katie. And then most of you have met PJ and Natalie. Natalie works in the child care area. PJ runs all the sound and connectivity and all that kind of stuff. So we're uh, glad you guys are here. So as I told you guys, this is going to be pretty much conversational. But uh, I want to work through these four things and how maybe they played out in our family life. So, But before we do that, Mom, Dad, because a huge part of this is around our faith, right? This isn't just, uh, hey, live better, do better. It's designed as a we are people in a family of faith. And so very quickly, just how did you guys come to faith? Um, I did it at a very young age. Um, I was brought up in church. I had a um, country preacher for a dad. And um, so a lot of us play church. And we'd have a preacher, we'd have somebody singing and all this, you know. But but there was one time we were all playing church, and we realized we were having church. Hmm. And that was that was the day that there was about four of us that turned our lives over to God. That's and awesome. we had, you know, we just knew we had been in, like I said, in church and all. But that day we knew that hmm. God needed to yeah. be entered in our lives. Yeah. Well, I, I was raised in church all my life. I can't ever remember not being in church. Uh, and I had a lot of head knowledge about God. And, but I wasn't saved till I was 28. Uh, because I had it all figured out in my head instead of in my heart. But the day God saved me, a whole new world opened up. My mind changed about a lot of the thoughts that I had because I now had God in my heart instead of just in my head. And it made a world of difference in the way you understand his word, in the way you can uh, communicate his word, in the way everything happens. I mean, it just changes your life totally. The, he talks about being reborn. You truly are mm. reborn. It is a, a, a new life. And our life is, married life has never been the same. A lot of the old habits are gone and never will come back. Or still have a few bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's talk about that for a minute as we get to that uh, respecting and sacrifice and how this has impacted your marriage. I, I've heard rumors and seen a few pictures that you guys actually had a life before me. Uh, from what I, I gather. So, like, especially maybe in your early marriage, how did this coming to faith and struggling with faith and you being married and, like you were saying, hey, understanding who God was but not really being surrendered to God. How did that play out in learning to respect and uh, sacrifice for each other? Well, it was tough for a while because, I mean, she, she was saved. I thought I was. I mean, I, I had it all figured out. But the way I had it figured out wasn't the way she had it figured out and because she had it right and I didn't. <laughs> And that's still the truth. She has it right. <laughs> not but uh, I guess we learned to compromise. And when we got married, we were young. 
and sort of grew up together after we were married, mm-hmm. almost. Tell them how but old you were when you got married. I was 19. She was 16. Okay, so... Uh, how many years total now? 53. 53 years yeah. this month. And uh, I wouldn't take anything for it because it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. But we learned to compromise with each other and give and take mm-hmm. until God actually convicted me and I became a, a born-again Christian. Then our lives joined together spiritually as well as physically. So that, con- that word compromise, I think, is a huge uh, thing in any relationship, right? And I like watching you guys for the years I've been a part of your life, uh, not all 53, not quite that old yet, but, uh, but for watching, I think that has been a consistent part of your life. Um, if even, you know, just how you approach things around the house, how you approach, hey, this person's good at that, and this person's good at that, and allowing that uh, to, uh, to play out. So um, I appreciate that. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to switch over to Katie for just a minute. And so, Katie, uh, maybe share a little bit again how you came to a faith. Um, quickly, I also grew up in church, but I grew up in a Catholic church. And um, as a teenager, like, I was really um, going to church and, like, trying to squeeze all the religious I could out of myself and like telling myself okay I'm going to be good this week like I'm not going to do this this and this on Sunday and then um, anyway it was very uh, religious and like structured and I like structure Um, so it was like check the box off but then uh, I met Patrick and um, just having a relationship with Jesus instead of just like going to church and, and trying to be better for Jesus. It was just life changing for me. And so Patrick, um, just the way he lived, and yeah. So I was in college, and my life changed that way. All right. So we've been twenty six years together, and no, twenty nine. Remember, we oh, dated yes, for three true. years. Thank you for that correction. We, got we did. <laughs> so uh, we've we've spent the majority of our adult life, or all our adult life together. We were uh, twenty and twenty one when we got married. So. Kind of the same question, like, how did you see faith play a role in our early marriage and our struggle of respecting and sacrificing for each other? How would you describe that? Knowing that um, people were praying for us um, before they even knew who I was. Like, I know that Pat and Tommy have prayed um, for your spouse, for all the grandkids' spouses, and... Just like knowing that someone was praying for me before they even knew me, and just a, I don't know, it's just like a foundation for um, a marriage. And then um, a couple of Bible verses um, really stick out to me. One, um, Philippians one six, that he who started um, a good work in you will complete it. And so, um, that as a foundation for me that. Um, that there is a good work started in me, and that I don't, I'm not the one working it out in myself. Um, helps in relationships, and then the other one in Ephesians um, six, seven, I think it is, um, about serving wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. And so, 
it's really easy for me to be um, disrespectful if I'm being selfish or unloving if I'm being selfish. Um, if I take God out of the equation, then it's really easy to focus on myself, but putting um, the face of God, like, I'm not actually doing it for Patrick, although I love and respect and honor him, but I I see it as respecting and honoring and loving the Lord. And so those times when I don't really feel like it in my own self, I have to, you know, sift through and, you know, am I is my attitude how I would want to do it unto God, or is my action how I would want to do it unto God? And so... Um, like I said, I'm a work in progress and using that as um, a sift to respect. I think that was a, we were, I don't remember when you first shared that idea of like, Patrick, sometimes you frustrate me. And I was like, I know that. Like, day one. (laughs) What was your uh, thing? Like, no return policy is what you said? Yeah. Um, uh, But they wouldn't take them back. (laughs) But, uh, but I have my receipt. <laughs> but when she said, uh, you know, sometimes you fresh, but like I'm not, I'm loving the Lord by serving you. Like it was, it was a revelation for me of like, I was putting her in a position of frustration where she was growing. So it didn't give me the free, I'm going to frustrate her more so she can grow more. It wasn't that, but it was this idea that, you know, I need to take on responsibility that I'm actually creating healthy pathways for her to connect with God and not have to jump around a roadblock that I'm putting up. And it really challenged the way I thought when she shared that with me as well. And so I appreciated that that's been a part of us. All right, kids, uh, walk us through a little bit about how you guys uh, came to faith. And then I have a question for you. Um, so as well, we grew up in church. Um, I never really remember not being in it, but I always found community in church. There were always kids my age that I got along with really well, um, so church was always fun for me, but um, I joined this um, this program called RAs, it's like Royal Ambassadors, is like just, I don't really know how to explain it's it. It's like a Christian uh, Boy Scout. Yeah, and so we would do camps and stuff and all that, and um, I'd, I'd always uh, enjoyed church and all that, but I never really felt God tugging on my heart until one time we went to uh, camp out, and we were all sitting on this hill and, like, worshiping, and then I really, they invited everyone who hadn't been saved down, and I just really felt him tugging my heart to come down, and all I really remember is feeling the tug and then running down that hill, and I'm just glad I didn't fall, but <laughs> but uh, that was, um, I guess, what got me. Yeah. Natalie? Um, my dad used to work with these youth camps where he'd help throw or put them on. And so um, every once in a while, like, we would go with him for, like, weeks at a time. So just being around that spiritual presence kind of helped me. And, like, um, at the end of the week, they always do the invitation to come down. But I was a lot younger than all the youth there. So I just kind of sat in my seat and I... Like, I felt the tug on my heart, and so I just did a little personal prayer to God, and I just really felt him that. Yeah. I've had the privilege to baptize both of my kids, and that was an honor uh, for me and to be able to Surprised you didn't drown me. I I held you under a little longer, I think. So, uh, (laughs) no. So, 
you know, we've talked uh, in a marriage relationship, we've talked about uh, respect and sacrifice, and now we want to talk about honor and encouragement like in a parent relationship. And so as you've seen faith in our family and you've, you know, how have you struggled maybe to, to understand honor and encouragement uh, or where has it been good examples uh, of that? So you guys have the floor. You've always wanted this. <laughs> um, okay. Um, well, just thinking about, we thought about it this morning, but um, there was this time, like when I was sophomore year, I went to a sweet 16, and they were like, um, party's over at 12, just get in an Uber, come home. But I thought my better judgment was to charge my phone a little bit more so that I have battery to get home. Um, but where I was in the building charging my phone, in the big reception hall, there was no service. So it was like an hour, well, and half an hour later when I finally decided to get up from charging my phone and they had called several times and texted and they actually ended up getting in a car to come pick me up um, because <laughs> I wasn't really honoring their decision. <laughs> um, or I wasn't respecting it either. True. So. <laughs> never, never, never. Um... So I always have had a problem with procrastination um, when it comes to schoolwork and stuff like that. And I guess I just appreciate how um, both of them have come along and, like, just helped me with all that and, like, been there for me. And it really is, a, like, a two-way street where they might just try to be helping me. And, like you said, honoring was... Um, I know you listening just said it when, when I can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listening even listening, when you don't agree. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really opened my eyes to be able to listen to them and follow what they've told me, even if I don't agree with it at the moment, because I know in the grand scheme of things, he knows, or they both know what's best for me. I appreciate that. You, can I'm, I get that yeah, I'm, at, I'm at it's recorded. Yeah, can I get that? Yeah, we got that recorded. That's on Facebook. <laughs> But part of what I wanted you guys to see here, and I want to end with this question kind of for whoever wants to answer. This. Like, this is, a, this is a journey, right? This is not, uh, they didn't do two or three things that impacted our lives so that we would just do two or three things to replicate that. Like, I still learn from my mom and dad. I still watch them. I still see how they interact and how they do things in their life. Uh, now, as, uh, you know, their late 60s, early 70s in that range, and uh, I'm learning from them. But I'm, I'm still learning from my kids, now, as they enter adulthood, and so this is a journey, and this is what I love about this formula. It, is a, it constantly plays out. It's not just, uh, I have to do this to them and do this to my wife and then do this to the, like, it's, it's all playing out in one another. And so anybody who wants to answer this one can, but, like, how would you guys encourage young families to, to build a family that's centered around faith in Christ and have that commitment to respect, sacrifice, honor, and to encourage one another? I think we both have answered this. Uh, number one, I think we need to, to do as Jesus did. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Mm. says that throughout the Bible. I think that's the way to have a relationship is you serve each other. Mm. And by serving, you know, you can, the old saying you can't outgive God, well, you can't outserve each other because... The more you do, the more you get. And Pat's got a, a good scenario for young people. Um, 
I think in our case, uh, like two different things, for a family, um, if you put, if you live in a triangle, let's say, and you put God up at the top of the triangle, and you're over here, and your spouse is here, the closer you grow to God as a person, you're growing closer together. And uh, also, like Katie said, your children are never too young to pray for. Our pastor told us that when Jay and Patrick were little bitty things. They're never too young to pray for, for their Christian spouse, for God to have their his way in their lives. And believe me, God has had his way in both our sons' lives. And for these two daughter-in-laws, like she said, we didn't know her when we started praying for her. But look what God gave us, her and our other daughter-in-law. Now, I did forget to pray that they live next door. <laughs> so I guess that's why he brought them up here. And, uh, but God is using them. And so your children are never, ever too young to pray for. And then this part, uh, our sons were so much fun. They were fun. Our grandkids are fun. And, and, and we love to have fun with them. But we also like to be a parent. Your child only has a set, one set of parents. They're going to have friends forever, so it's best to be their parent, not always their friend. You've got to put, you know, you got to draw a line in the sand. Being and when they do something that you don't think's right, a friend is just going to sort of let them go, but a parent's not. Mm-hmm. And they know. I think they always knew where that line was, but um, but just pray. And like I said, you can you can use us as an example. And God's answer is standing right there, both of them, and then our son and daughter-in-law in Georgia. And um, but God answers prayers years later, years later. But I think that's it. Yeah, you guys have any thoughts on that? Um, one thing that I remembered from my childhood, like okay, not not really. Um, is that we always have, like, spending meals together and always praying before those meals and always praying before we go to bed. Those were, like, the two things that stuck out to me. Um, I'll share an answer. Um, and this was, I think, um, anyway, fast forward to, I don't know, uh, probably that same time in Natalie's life where she, um, talked about earlier like 15 ish um and as a parent like I wanted to be a very good example for my kids um like pat myself on the back like I'm a really good example um and also like being a good example doing what I think they should be doing maybe they'll just catch on um at at their ages the older teenage years um but then when things are not going well and, and you're looking back on things, I think it's really important as um, parents um, to be not just a good example, but to walk with them through things. And so um, I encourage Natalie, it, I don't know if it was a, a, 
a demand at this time, but it was like, hey, why don't you come to Bible study with me? And they had a teenage Bible study going on at the same time I was doing my Bible study. And so, like, she knew I was going to Bible study all these years that we were here, but actually, like, locking arm in arm with your child and doing things together and and being um, that example, but also doing things side by side. I know it's not... There's part of a parent in there and then part of a friend in there, too. Like, And I will... Natalie will tell you I never want to be her best friend. <laughs> yeah. But... I think that's an encouragement um, to walk with someone, you know, in any relationship, walk with them instead of just being the good example. Awesome. Thank you, guys. You can tell them thank you. Great job. <laughs> Made it out. Made it out. All right. Not too bad. Uh, anyway, I, I hope that was uh, somewhat meaningful for you guys this morning, just to get a glimpse into how faith and family connect, how we can try to love, honor, respect, uh, encourage one another in a way that we can now live that out uh, in other relationships where God calls us to love those closest to us. Um, So uh, next week, don't forget to be here next week. We have our last part in this series, Loving the Lord Our God with All of Our Heart. We're talking about how our passions uh, line up with our love for God, and we're going to be interviewing Michael and Kay uh, from our church uh, that have been heavily involved in politics over the year and talk about this idea of like how do we, this God and country and the faith and the passion that so many have, uh, you know, that's very evident on Facebook and other things like that, how do, we, how do we actually, you know, bring those things together? I think it'll be a great conversation next week. So I want to pray for us. After we pray, we'll take up our offering. I've got a couple of announcements, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thanks for the chance that you've given us this morning just to have a conversation about faith and family and loving those that are closest to us. And God, I pray that you use... Uh, the testimonies this morning, the truth of your word, to change our hearts, to change our understanding, and help us to learn to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as ourselves. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of announcements right quick as we take up the offering. Uh, July 8th. Uh, every year, if you've been around New City, you know we typically, on uh, the Sunday after July 4th, we go out to the park for our service. We do our brunch out in the park, and this year we have a special treat we have a visiting choir in it's a 250 almost voice choir uh from prestonwood church and they're going to be doing a concert out in the park it's like a pops concert they do dancing and it's crazy i've seen it before they do an amazing job uh that'll be going on from 11 to noon and then we'll do our brunch at 12 o'clock uh right there in the lic landing picnic area they'll be providing some food as always we can bring food as well so I encourage you, mark July 8th down. That will be a great day. It's a day, really, for you to get to know some people, maybe in our church family, that you haven't gotten to know before in a kind of real casual way. So mark that down, July 8th. Uh, we've got that coming up next week. we in our Blended series, and, uh, and then you'll be hearing more about our next series after brunch. But, uh, but please mark July 8th down. It'll be a great day with that. Also, a couple weeks after that, we'll have our next Community Connect. Chase is getting final details about that, and we'll let you know when that is going to be uh, and uh, what the details are on that. So what? It's not Monday, June 18th. That's already passed. <laughs> so uh, anyways, thank you guys for being here today. hope you have a great afternoon. Love you, and uh, see you next week.